So at the top of my thing here, I say, crazy week, right? But I've already used that. I used that at the very start, so I can't use it again. So uh, this week was something, right? I'll do that. I'll do that one. Um, you know, so the, the gospel text for this week that we were going to be looking at is from John chapter 4. And it's the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus encounters and has this conversation with. And um, it was, I, it's one of my favorite stories, especially in the Gospel of John. And it fits really well with the Nicodemus story. But as the week kind of progressed and kept going on, I was like, I think maybe we ought to talk about kind of what's going on and maybe what our response as a church uh, might be to it. Um, but I, uh, I need to start by repenting. Um, so I started the week, and as the news kind of picked up about this, with, I started with a lot of skepticism and a lot of suspicion. Um, I'm, I don't have much patience for 24-hour news uh, cycles and news channels to begin with. Um, and so my bias is towards skepticism in regards to the ways that they cover things. Yeah, they're just trying to get ratings and pay for ad, get advertisers and things like that. But as, uh, as I began to kind of understand more and seek out conversations and to, to read more and do more research, I realized that this is actually, it, it does, um, well actually what really made me realize that this should be taken seriously is when, when organizations who stand to lose a lot of money stop whatever it is that they use to make money, if they start doing that, then you know something's, something's going on. So major sports have shut down. The NBA and the States have canceled their entire season. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, actually I was watching the golf on Thursday and they stopped the whole thing at this tournament. And that's when I was like, if they're stopping it, you know, there's a lot of money at play. And so that's when I kind of started saying, okay, maybe I need to, to take another look at this. And, and so I wanted to repent of my attitude toward it uh, at the beginning. Particularly, I want to direct those comments toward those in our community who are among the groups who are more vulnerable uh, to, uh, to this particular uh, disease. And so I want to start there. Um, and then moving on from that, I think it's really important for us as a church to begin from a place where we commit to a posture that will lend itself to a wise response rather than a, a panicked or a dismissive reaction. Does that make sense? So not just saying we're going to have a wise response, but committing to the posture from which we can develop a wise response rather than just being blown by the wind of panic or skepticism and dismissal. Um, if you need an example of what a panicked reaction look like, looks like, go to Morrison's and look at the Lou Roll uh, section. Um, what Lou Roll? Thank you. Yes, exactly. Um, and this is a side note. I never understand why panic buying makes you go to the things that spoil the fastest, like milk and bread and eggs. I, I would think tins would make more sense in terms of panic buying, but that's a sign up. Anyway, but if you need an example, go look at the Lou Roll section uh, and just see how empty it is. And panic and the panic-induced kind of shopping or stock uh, or hoarding, um, you know, this spreads just as fast as any disease, if not faster than any disease. You might actually look at it 
as a pathogen itself, infecting people and driving them to do things that they might not normally do. Um, but panic, and, and the panic-induced buying and the things like this, the, the people who are most vulnerable, particularly in our society, not just to the disease, but to the society, particularly the poor who can't afford to hoard and to stock, um, to, what's the word? Stockpile, thank you. Stockpiling, thank you. What's your, you're Tarrant, you're David. Okay, perfect. We need, I haven't met you yet, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, yeah, Uncle David, okay. Can I call him Uncle David too? Okay, perfect. Um, but particularly to the poor and those who can't afford to stockpile or to hoard. Uh, and so, um, you know, panicked, panic responses. I was in Scouts, and we had a saying, if you panic, you die. Now, granted, in this, that's thinking about if you're in the wilderness somewhere and you get lost or in a situation like that. But the principle applies. You might not die, but, you know, other people might suffer because of panic. And so, but, you know, uh, the opposite of a panic response is a dismissive one. Uh, so it's not wise either to stick your head into the sand and ignore things. And so we need to commit to this posture to where we listen, but to begin with, we're very selective about what it is that we pay attention to when we are listening. Pay attention to the sources of your news. If it's got the sun or the mirror or some of these on it, you might just want to kind of close that tab on your browser or just kind of move on. Uh, if you see it on Facebook, double check before you take it as fact or as gospel truth. Um, and too much news, even if it's good news, is a bad thing as well um, or can be a bad thing. Uh, if it's the only thing that you're thinking about all the time, if it's the only thing that you're taking in, then you can expect that what comes out is panic or, um, yeah. So be careful about what you are taking in. And if you do find information and you want to share it, check it, its truthfulness first. If you don't know how to do that, if you don't know what resources there are online or, or anything like that, ask someone. But double check before you share information because the sharing of bad information uh, doesn't help anyone. It hurts more than it does help. And so make sure, one, if you are going to the news, don't go too much. Um, and if you, if you do find information elsewhere, make sure that you check its veracity before spreading it around. And so this is the first kind of piece, I think, of a wise response uh, as a church. Um, now, it took me a few conversations uh, with some, I have a neighbor who's a, a nurse, and uh, I spoke with Jane some this week, and so it took me a few conversations to kind of get a hold of this as to what the response, this drastic response has been really about, but finally I think I understood it, and the actions being taken are not to stop the spread of the disease, because part of my incredulity, part of my dismissiveness toward it is like you can't stop it. Like, I mean, you can't control whether you get it or not. It's not to stop the spread of the disease, it's to slow the spread of the disease. Um, and slowing the spread is important in terms of not overtaxing the resources of the NHS. Uh, of the, the doctors and the nurses, who themselves will be exposing themselves to, to this uh, in, in a much greater way than we are as they begin to treat people. And so the, the, the temptation, and I fell, 
I fell to this temptation this week is to just say we're overreacting. But the point is not to stop the spread, it's to slow the spread. And so as advice comes out from authorities and, and the healthcare uh, authorities, don't take that advice lightly, okay? Uh, it's, it's important to listen to people who know what they're talking about. Uh, now, not all politicians will know what they're talking about. That's not what I'm saying. But to the people who do know what they're talking about, it's really important that we listen and pay attention. Um, and so, um, you know, it may certainly be inconvenient, you know, and we're quite used to living convenient lives. Uh, I mean, our society, our culture has shaped us to see convenient as the default. Uh, and so when something is even the smallest bit inconvenience, inconvenient, we often react to it in a way that's not, you know, maybe, maybe it's not to scale. Uh, but some of these things that we're advised to do will certainly be inconvenient, but we must understand that the actions that we're taking are not simply inconveniencing us, but they're for the sake of others. You know, in love for others. That's, I think that's a really important posture that we take in terms of the actions that we're doing. Um, one more aspect of what I would say a wise response to this as the church would be is preparedness. Um, you know, things will grow much more difficult before they get easier in this. And that's just the truth. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm not trying to induce panic. It's just the truth. Uh, things will mo most likely get more difficult before they get any easier. And so it's important to take steps now to be prepared in case you or, or a member of your family uh, become uh, contract to the virus. So even just simply, simple questions like, what room will they be in? Who will provide for them? Who will take care of them? Who will, you know, just simple questions like that. But preparedness now will help down the road. If you have even just a sketch of a plan, it will help. Um, but it will also help us um, as a church to know how to respond when we do need to. Um, so in the foyer today, I mentioned this earlier, but in the foyer, Amanda will be out there with a sign-up sheet um, where... I, if you either see yourself as one of the, if you, not see yourself, if you belong to one of those groups who are more, more vulnerable in relationships to this, this disease, then sign up in anticipation that you might very well need help. Don't be proud. Please. Please. Sign up. Let's give us information so that we know that we can reach out to you and help if you need help. If you need groceries, if you need medicines delivered, anything like that. But then also those who are more able-bodied, who aren't as susceptible or who, are as, aren't as, who aren't as threatened by this disease, sign up and make yourself available to help. Um, we're gonna, I, I heard you practicing the song we're going to end on. It was perfect. I, we didn't talk about that, but it was perfect. Um, make yourself available. You know, this is, there's danger here. I mean, you don't want to blow it out of proportion, but you do want to take it seriously. You know, there... But I think, and we don't have to face too many of these situations in the, in the part of the world that we live in, but this is one of those cases where it, it really does kind of look like taking up a cross and following Jesus. I'm not saying expose yourself unnecessarily, but it might be to where, you know, we assume a bit more risk in, in pursuit of the call. 
of God in this situation. Does that make sense? That's difficult to say. It's really difficult to say because I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. Well, I guess to the extent that you let me be. <laughs> but, you know, there are folks who depend on me. But we have to weigh that with this call that God has placed on us to be citizens of, of God's kingdom. To where, remember, what the sign of a spirit-filled community or individual is the practice of the self-giving love of God. And so the church has an opportunity in the midst of this to, 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 to practice this. Um, and the, the beauty of discipline in the church is that as you practice it, you see it. You're both getting better at it and you're embodying it at the same time. And so I would ask each of you to commit to praying about that, praying to God about that. That's not something that I'm going to be able to mandate. I would never dream of mandating something like that. It's way beyond my authority or ability to do that. But for each of you, pray about that. What is God calling you to? Again, don't take unnecessary risks. Don't take, don't expose yourself unnecessarily, but pray about the situations where God might be calling you where risk is a little bit more involved or increased. Does that make sense? Oh, that was the hardest part of what I was going to do this morning. Okay. Um, um, now, so we're, we're, we're trying to figure out some things that we can do, trying to organize ourselves to both take care of one another as well as anybody in the community that we know of. Uh, and so if you do require to be quarantined or if you have to self-isolate, if you're one of those groups who are more vulnerable, you know, don't settle for loneliness. Um, don't settle for the loneliness that, that isolation and quarantine you know, involve. It's a strain. Uh, you can ask anyone who's, who's gone through it. Um, you know, reach out. Sign up on the sheet. Be available. There are folks who will give a phone call, who will drop a message, or who will help you with groceries or medicines. But don't settle for loneliness because you don't want to burden anyone else. Don't deprive brothers and sisters in the body of Christ of the opportunity to serve, to take up their cross, uh, to be inconvenienced for your sake. Um, yeah. So we'll have the sign-up sheet. Uh, and for those among us, uh, you know, even if people aren't on the sign-up sheet, not everybody's here today, but it, uh, during the week, as you're thinking, if someone comes to mind, or don't even wait on them to come to mind, make a list of people and call them during the week. Or call them if you know that they might be going, if they've been isolating themselves more. Give them a call. See if they need anything. Don't wait. Um, you know, and, you know, generally, the, so that's, we're moving on to the next one now, sorry. Um, generally speaking, as a church, uh, today we've kind of settled into this, almost a relationship of antagonism sometimes toward the state, towards the secular world. Um, you know, we, we like to, well, not that we like to, but sometimes we feel kind of impinged, infringed upon or, I, th I know there are some groups who have looked at the mandates, uh, some churches that have looked on the mandates of the government as limiting worship. But I don't think that's at all uh, is what's going on here. I don't think that we should settle into a relationship of antagonism with the, uh, with the state or with the government, with politics in this, in this particular instance in general. Uh, I think we should really listen and follow the advice 
because I think they have a genuine interest in making sure that people are cared for and, and that this doesn't spread. And I think their own self-interest in this particular instance is you know, enough for me to give them some trust in this, <laughs> this particular time. Does that make sense as well? Okay, so listen, let me see what else is on here. Um, you know, um, oh, so some, some practices, some potential practices. We hope to, in, in addition to coordinating, organizing some, some of the uh, connecting that we can do during this time, uh, we hope to provide some resources to folks. I would anticipate the schools closing in the near future, maybe this week or the next. I mean, that might not happen, but I would anticipate it happening. And so hopefully, uh, and if, even if we have to close, if we can't meet again next week or for, for a couple of weeks, uh, hope, we hope to provide some, some resources for families to, to do some things at home, to pray at home, or to, to maybe have a, a, a church gathering, uh, you know, in homes. If we can't meet as a large group, we can still meet as small groups in homes, so we can coordinate some of that if, to the point that people are willing and able. But we hope to provide some resources, because I'll be honest with you, having three kids and the idea of school being out for an extended period of time, I can use all the help I can get with, with things to, <laughs> so, um, you know, start thinking about, you know, even in terms of preparedness, start thinking about this. We'll try and provide as, as many resources as we can, but then also, if you have neighbors who are healthcare workers, or anyone in general, if their jobs don't allow them sick leave or things like that, and they have a kid, they're single mothers or something, don't be afraid to offer help in that regard. You know, if they're a healthcare worker in particular, you're helping many more people than just them. But if their jobs don't allow them to take sick leave or, or you know, if their circumstances, if they're more vulnerable in those kinds of ways, there's an opportunity there as well to, uh, to show the love of God in a very, very practical way. Um, uh, again, we talked about this earlier, but don't be afraid to go on a bit of a news fast. And remember, fasting, we're in a season of Lent. Fasting is not just about taking something away, but it's about replacing it with something. So instead of taking, if you, I don't know how much you have the news on, but take a portion of that time and commit it to prayer or reading scripture. Uh, commit it to taking in something of God rather than simply taking in more and more of the news that can increase panic or things like that. Uh, and remember, just pay attention to your neighbors, not just those of us in our community, but those whom you live around. I don't know them. You know them better than I do. So pay attention to them. Um, you know, obviously, if we're not able to meet as a church, you know, that can complicate things in terms of, uh, you know, even just being honest, finances in terms as a, as a church. And so, you know, if you don't do online giving, but that's something you're capable of doing, it might be a good time to consider making that making that transition or just you know that's obviously it's something we have to talk about uh, I mean there are so many more things that, that are, are pressing but think about that as well our life as a community the financial life that we have together as a church uh, remember that particularly if there's a period where we're not able to meet together um, and so the question that should guide us in these coming days uh, this is kind of bringing this all to a close. Um, and this actually came from some of my reflections on the, the passage from the Samaritan woman. Uh, but also there's another passage that this comes from that involves a Samaritan. Um, but the question that should guide us these coming days is not 
the one, the question that we tend to be prone to asking, which is, who is my neighbor? Um, the question that we must ask is, how am I to be a neighbor? Do you see the difference? Who is my neighbor allows me to sit and to wait to decide who I serve. But what does it mean to be a neighbor puts the onus on me to discern what it means to be a neighbor to all of those surrounding me. I can't choose who I'm a neighbor to. I am the neighbor. It becomes a verb. Rather than a subject, neighboring is a verb. And so I believe that God is glorified and worshipped in our efforts to love our neighbors. Because our neighbors are those for whom Jesus gave his life. In the, in the Gospel of John, in the portion that... You read chapter 1, right? You read the prologue. There's this, there's this line... In that translation, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. God moved into the neighborhood. And so in Jesus, God, love of God and love of neighbor become one and the same thing. Can you see that? And so we are called to follow Jesus. And so what does that look like in this time? Well, I think some of what we, we've talked about, but I come back again to this passage in Corinthians when we went through the first letter. Discern the body. And when Paul talks about the body, he's both talking about the, the Lord's Supper. Well, I point at it. It's not here today. But he's talking about the Lord's Supper, but he's also talking about the church. The reason that we sit the way that we do is so that we're not just looking at a screen, but we're looking at one another. Pay attention to the body. Discern it. Who needs help? Who needs a word of encouragement? Who needs practical assistance? You know, and so what does that look, what does love of neighbor in, in some ways look like right now? It looks like washing your hands. You know, it looks like keeping your distance. Uh, but these are the ways that we can reach out in love with an embrace of God that doesn't necessarily involve wrapping our arms around one another. Okay? All right. Let's pray. And then Joanne's going to come and, uh, and the band are going to come and lead us in one more song that hopefully uh, you will take as your prayer, not just in asking God for the strength to do it, uh, but in making a commitment to uh, following this God as well. Okay? Let's pray. God of great mercy and grace, Lord, we're thankful Lord, that you are a God who is with us, a God who is present, and a God whose presence is promised to us uh, eternally. And Lord, as we continue to navigate, uh, Lord, this, this current situation as your church, we pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us creativity, Lord, that you would give us guidance, that you would give us courage, Lord, to step out and to be your people in the midst of this. Lord, may, may we see this as an opportunity, um, Lord, first to be your people, and then, as a result of that witness, uh, inviting people into, into the life that you have for us. Lord, the life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, of love everlasting. Lord, may we be your disciples. Lord, may, may we take up our crosses and follow you. For each of us, our response 
um, to all of this might look a little different. Um, God might ask us to do different things and so we just need to be listening to what God is um, calling us to do. As, um, as Jacob was speaking, I was reminded of a prayer of um, Sir Francis Drake and um, so I've looked it up and I'm going to read that out. Um, we can pray again together. Um, we're going to sing in a moment just about God um, leading us to serve others, um, leading us and filling us up and sending us out. Um, and this prayer is about God disturbing us, disturbing us out of our um, complacency and, and out of um, and just our, 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 our normal lives of what God, what is God stirring up, what is God disturbing in us and asking us to do. Um, so I just want to read this. Let's pray together. Disturb us, Lord. When we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have become true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope and love. Amen. Let's stand together. God of justice, Savior to all, came to Sing that again, God of justice. 